talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2021, we take a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's and now definitively not Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit of a more leftist socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today we're covering again because, surprise, there's not a lot going on here, two episodes in one recording session because it makes our lives a little easier and more tolerable. Yes. Uh, The first one (laughs) is entitled The Benign Prerogative. The second one is entitled Slow News Day. And uh, so starting with the start, we'll start with the first episode in the in the batting order, which mostly well, first off, it doesn't really accomplish much at all and doesn't have much of a narrative throughput, like not much narrative focus. But I would argue the major issue discussed is the presidential pardon. Uh, This is like the pardon episode, I would call it if I was going to call it anything. Yeah, because that's the central sort of like. The, the concern for the main cast is figuring out how to or whether to approach the State of the Union and have this got the State of the Union address and have the president issue a raft of pardons, which he the, the episode title is a reference to. I think it's Alexander Hamilton calling it the benign prerogative right. of the it, president. Describing the power of the pardon itself. Yes. Uh, yeah, and so there's a lot of hubbaloo about, oh, some of these pardons might be controversial, and, like, and how the trend has gone down over time, where, like, FDR, you know, did, like, 3,000 pardons over his 16 yeah. years, <laughs> and nowadays the president does, like, 11 or, like, 20 <laughs> or, like, you know, 25 kind of thing. Yeah, they run they run it down like a like a historical kind of thing of being like, you remember when we did good things for people? Yeah, we don't remember, do it anymore. Remember when we weren't such a carceral state? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's also, I mean, just kind of there is a heavily Charlie centric yes um storyline in this one i enjoyed for the most part other than the the actual dramatic thing that that breaks them apart for a very dumb reason yeah well and so you mentioned at the beginning where it's like there there isn't a lot of narrative throughput and this whole thing is it makes you feel very strange because you feel like you've watched a lot of charlie and they bring on guest star who gabrielle union looking oh baby looking very fine one of the most attractive human beings on the planet and you know and, of course and, she's married and, to a big superstar and charlie gets to guy. off-screen hook up with her in this episode mm-hmm. so props to charlie Ooh. fictional character for getting it on <laughs> yeah, that's right and also shout outs to um one of the other most attractive uh human beings alive eliza dushku who is the co-star in bring it on one of the best movies of the year 2000. I'm a, Don't I'm, at me. I'm a big fan of Eliza Dushku. <laughs> so anyway, you mentioned that like there isn't a lot of narrative throughput. And this thing is perfectly it because you watch all this interaction between these two characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you expect something to have developed or like be progressing or indicative of something going forward. But at the end, 
everything is reversed quickly, and then yeah. we never hear about it again. Yep. Yeah, and so it actually it starts off in media res a little with the Charlie Gabrielle Union thing. I forget her character's name. Uh, so do I. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she's Gabrielle Union. Uh, so it starts off with them in media res where she's pissed at him. Where she's like, oh, like she's already coming at him hard, like, hey, Charlie, what's you know, what's your damage? And she and he's like, I'm sorry about this, Miss whatever her last name. And she's I like, think it's You're, Andrews. Yeah, it's like you call Anders. And she's like, yeah. you call you call me Miss Anders, and she just slaps him full on like, the face, Rick James st- slap, <laughs> Rick James style. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's something out of a fucking soap opera. And, like, I love how immediately she's just like, oh, my God, why did I do that? I don't do that. <laughs> I was, I was, this, this sucks. Ugh. I was, I was possessed by the spirit of television or something, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. The writers, they got to me. And so, so that's our in media res opening of like, uh oh, they have problems. Something went wrong. And then we flash back to like two nights before or whenever, three weeks ago, I guess, uh, when they met. At a party, which is, as you pointed out, like, the fucking liberal fantasy of, like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, like, talk wonk shit at this party and and (laughs) make all the panties drop. Like, it's just this room full of just smoke and hotties, uh, frankly, of both genders and all in between just, you know, just loving to get these bants on about, like, district reapportionment yeah. it's like uh. yeah gerrymandering lines and getting into the fucking nitty gritty on fucking progressive tax brackets and shit like that just gets everybody horned up <laughs> you just hear the see the pod john somewhere in the background of this party just macking yeah like real hard yeah i don't know uh so anyway they they meet they have like a meet cute they clearly hit it off and, you know, again, they have their off-screen hookup. The show refuses to, like, get very sexy. And, like, here was a perfect yes. opportunity. Like, the show will go there later on when, when like, spoilers, season seven, Josh and Donna hook up. Like, they get a whole scene about it. Yeah. Like, you know, for it's still network TV. They can't go that far. But, like, it, it is a sex scene for a television show. Well, so I'm glad you mentioned this because actually like the other two things you see in the cold open is more gross, like leaning on this female intern. Oh, God. Fucking Rita. (laughs) I think I I made the apology last time, but I just want to say again. Yes, she's supposed to be Monica Lewinsky. Yes, I should have like noticed that it's, out the yeah, gate. It's, Props to Emma for setting me right. Like, yeah, it's it's becoming more and more clear uh, as she constantly makes oral sex jokes. Oh, uh, and uh, like uh, they they make it more expl- like it's not even it's not even, like she literally comes up and like puts a stick of gum in Toby's pocket and says, "Oh, we all get oral when we're nervous." <laughs> like what? <laughs> What? Holy fuck? shit! Yeah, it's it's so weird, and I love that like all the main characters just kind of look at each other like, "Is this woman real? Yeah, like, is is this actually hap- yeah. like? Did should, this happen? Should I be reporting this to HR or something? Like, well, and so we also get Josh learns that Joey Lucas is back in town. Oh right, for right, right. some contract with the White House and immediately just like isn't like oh that's nice you know what are we working on blah blah, blah. she's just like oh is she single yeah cool uh did she say anything about me yeah uh-huh. immediately turns on to like court level 10 <laughs> yeah. 
like just thirsty and and then, and then immediately is comically undercut by the fact that she is like whale size pregnant. What up up pregnant women aren't sexy. <laughs> no. You would definitely won't be attracted to them when their stomach's bigger than usual. Like, I don't, it's just this really explicit kind of like, he won't do shit now because, oh, look, she's got a baby in her. <laughs> yeah, like, he doesn't even know if she's in a relationship or, or like, whatever, you know. I'm yeah. thinking too hard about this. Regardless, well, <laughs> it's it's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, well, and so, and I mean, we can keep going on this topic because basically, like, the jokes continue with Rena, and we get the, this offshoot where Angela says to Charlie, like, you noted this, that she says... Oh, right, yeah. Oh, my God. Just, you, you'll be better if you work harder and cancel more dates, because women dig that. Yeah. What? Yeah, like, he, he's talking about how he got with Gabrielle Union, and he's like, you know, it's 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 hard because of how much I have to work, and she's like, no, nah, man, that's an aphrodisiac that you work hard, you know, and that you blow off dates and you stay late at work. Like, just, it, it, just keep it up. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> like, are you kidding like, me? You, to- and... Like this, and again, again, you mentioned like it's just it's straight up Sorkin's accent because it's him going like, "Oh, a woman would say this, right?" Because a white man yeah. says she would yeah. say, this. "Yeah, a black woman, a white man, a white man." <laughs> Very big energy on that. To be fair, I do like Charlie's response of like, "Are you the devil?" And she's just like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah yeah you know me disrespecting people's times and making light of relationships <laughs> it's great people love that i swear yeah so they uh then there's more of this throughout like you know rena has like boobs jokes like they they go to visit a polling center with joey for their message testing some oh, bullshit is that, and is so, that where they get the uh, joe everyman guy who who's, yes. yeah who storms out of the poll oh yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He gets like morally offended by the fact that pollsters are ax- asking him political questions, and he like he just fucking marches out of there super angry. And then Toby goes to follow him, and he's like, "Hey, what's up? Why'd you leave?" And the guy just goes on this fucking rant about like, "You think you fucking politics, you goddamn eggheads, trying to what yeah. fucking <laughs> include me? You fucking try to figure out what I want out of politics." Fuck you! <laughs> like, how how dare you canvas my opinion on these things? Don't you know? And frankly, it's basically like, don't you know the truth is always in the middle? But also, you should do something. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, you don't need to ask me what to do. Just fucking do something. It's like, okay, do you not get that one informs the other? <laughs> yeah, it, as, it's like, as much it's as we like, talk shit like, about polls, like, like most people like feel honored because they're like, oh shit, my opinion is gonna be taken mm-hmm. into account. And like you know, like it's just so weird that they they wrote this guy to have this insane reaction to I don't know why to make the pollsters look I, bad. Like, I, are we supposed to it's... side with Joe Everyman here, or are we supposed to side with Toby when he goes, "Oh, that's the idiot I write for," because he's talking about writing the State of the Union. So I think the the intent of the show is to what they are trying to do poorly is to be like. This is 
like the administration is understood to be very left wing and like really, you know, just that that can't be it. And so we need to connect. It's the it's the fucking hillbilly elegy shit where it's just like, yeah. what is what is a real man? Yeah. Again, written by a Hollywood writer. Right. We went, have to say about we this. went to a diner in Alabama and we, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to some MAGA chuds and here's what they had to say. Yeah, well, the word, the phrase I was looking for was the Chud Safari. Like, yeah, you know, the, they're on the Chud Safari, except Joe Everman came to them. I guess that's what this is, and I think we are supposed to kind of feel sympathetic for Toby when he's like, uh, "This is the jackass I have to write for with my State of the Union," kind of thing. Yeah, and well, and that, you note like he's right that actions do speak louder than words. But, yeah, like, uh, ultimately he just but, phrases, phrases it in like the <laughs> stupidest way possible because they wrote him that way. Yeah, and so, like, Toby's around Rena, and it just kind of gives him more opportunity to be very, for her to make awkward jokes. Yeah, it's so weird, him. especially knowing it, none of it goes anywhere. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if, like, I don't know, Toby ends it's up, like... a scandal. Yeah, Toby, like, someone's like, hey, I've seen Toby hanging out with that girl. Like, you think they're bopping? That's not cool. She's a subordinate or whatever. Like, if it started, like, a scandal... Like that, but no, it doesn't. It goes nowhere. She's just a weird well, character. Be- well, and, and because Toby's a fucking sexless golem, yeah, yeah. of a of a man, like, yeah, a sexless hate golem, like yeah. except dude's just yeah. he he ends up getting Andy pregnant, but it all takes place entirely off screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only time we see her show any sort of affection for him is uh, after the election night. And she, when she's just when she's sort of drunk off atmosphere of the victory, it's like the the field of like all my orgasms are just out of frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm having a great <laughs> sex life just out of frame with all my friends. <laughs> with all, my friends, we're yeah. all they're all hanging out having great sex lives too. <laughs> so, like, and that like it obviously nothing happens, but a minor spoiler for after the break, Rena plays a bigger role in the next episode, but. Um, the kind of like the 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 message testing I, I don't is is for verbiage to include in the state of the union right and so what the administration is trying to do is avoid culture war shit with the pardons tainting correct the state of the union that's the or big something, concern it's, that's the big concern yeah and it's literally the like the when is the time to criticize Democrats clock? <laughs> yeah. Except within the administration, it's like this isn't the time to do right. X because we have we reason. always have internal goal X plus two coming up that happens in two weeks from now conveniently. Like there's always something, whether you know, state of the union or a bill coming up or you know a midterm election or a special election. There's always a thing to be concerned about, which handily prevents them from doing anything at all. Yes, it's never the correct time to help actual people because we need to preserve our ability to theoretically help actual people in the future. Uh, Ironically, a lesson uh, that is explicitly demonstrated to be wrong in the very next episode where they do something big and important (laughs) out of nowhere and without worrying about, like, oh, it might disrupt this next thing that's coming. Yeah, but... The the what the show was looking for and using as a cultural touchstone that eventually dawned on me, you know, halfway through, there is a it is a Willie Horton 
um, right. allegory. Right. This is the big concern. Is like back in Jeb's governor's days, he fucking pardoned like a, a guy who went on to like kill again or something like that. And for listeners who do not know, um, Willie Horton was somebody that Michael Dukakis pardoned or or he was released early whatever or Willie Horton was something a, like that he got some sort of yeah early yeah, release he got some sort of release i think it was a weekend furlough um when Michael Dukakis was the governor of Massachusetts in 1986 um and basically when he went out on this weekend furloughed he raped a woman and stole a car um and ended up i think getting captured and sentenced to life but anyway so reagan no bush gw yeah yeah, exactly um hw ran hw yeah ran ads on tv saying like look at this asshole who let this guy go yeah early soft soft on crime fucking pussy you know i i wouldn't do that i'm hard on crime and the the name in the west wing is wallace turner so yeah, it's um, not very far away. Yeah, pretty close knock on to uh, <sighs> um, to the Willie Horton. It's pretty fairly explicit shout out. So yeah, that's that's the big concern is like, well, what if we release the wrong person or? And then, as you noted here, when they actually speak to a uh, a parolee or or someone who's getting a pardon. Uh, Bartlett goes on this really paternalistic rant about how, like, okay, well, now you have to be on your extra bestest behavior or you're going to make everyone else who's waiting for a pardon look very bad and you're going to make the whole system look bad if you go out and do another crime. And so don't you dare do that. And it's just, like, so fucking condescending. And, of course, the again, it's a, a black woman. Yep. So it's like, well... Well, yes, yes, sir. I promise, Mr. President. Like this is, you know, how I I am reformed, and you know, I I'm ashamed of my past, and I will absolutely but, a, aspire to the technocratic ideal. These are all nonviolent crimes, by the way, that are all that mm-hmm. are being considered for pardon. <laughs> so this is all just like dumbass, either financial or like drug drug selling without a violent crime attached to it, or something like that. Yeah, because they would never pardon anybody who was on the hook for, for yeah, like um, rape for or something murder, that would make them look bad. Or, yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I just um, well, except and then the very kind of last political thing in, in this is that there's a high level donor whose son is on the pardon list, and Donna goes out and tells them that like to fuck off, which good, like good, yes. good for them, and and the admit like Bartlett and Leo are like. Oh, well, you know, we got to thank Donna for taking this bullet for us. And it's it's basically like they're too cowardly to address this woman directly. So they send fucking the assistant to the assistant <laughs> chief of staff uh-huh. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And then uh, what I did want to wrap up, though, with uh, so the Charlie and Gabrielle Union thing. The dumbass reason that they so they're they've been dating for like three weeks or something. He brings her on a tour of the White House. It's going really well. He's like charming the shit out of her with his like, look at all my access, girl. Yes. And, and she's like, she's loving it because she's a reporter. He knows she's a reporter, by the way. When they met, she's like, hey, I'm a reporter with, you know, some sort of African American focused magazine. 
Um, yeah, it's like a, like a local weekly a, a, or something. A fictional version of like Ebony or Jet or kind of thing. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, I've seen your piece on blah, blah, blah. So I want to establish, he knows she's a reporter from the moment they meet. And then, so the, the tour takes them to the press room and, and he's like, hey, get up behind the podium. I'll take a picture of you. And she's, and he's like, you belong here. And she's like, yeah, I do belong here. I need to tell you something. I'm going to start <laughs> working in the press room next week. And then Charlie, for no reason, flips the fuck out and suddenly thinks that this means she's going to, like, write a giant article about all the stuff they've talked about since they started dating. And he's like, you know everything I said was off the record, right? And she's like, of course, you idiot. Like, what? who do you think I am? And he starts flipping the fuck out about how he has to protect the president and how he's like a father to him. And, like, this is the reason they end up breaking up. And it's the stupidest reason. <laughs> Just, and... There's, there's, a, it's not that there's no buildup because of course there's no buildup. It's all intra episode, but it's just like he goes from zero to sixty based on the fact that she is now professionally employed in the White House. It's like, like what, it changes nothing about her role or her job, or because she could just take all that information he's been giving her and write about it in her. What, what her current her, Whatever article is without was. having to work at the White House. Exactly. Like, if you were worried about that threat, her working in the White House doesn't change that threat. And and now it's it's mainly that it's just like, now it's, that she has power... I guess. He's, he feels threatened? You think that's I what... Don't... I guess I get some of that off of this, because, like, it doesn't make any sense otherwise, because... It's just like, do you not trust her? That's what it fundamentally comes down to. Is like you trusted her with all this information beforehand, and the fact that she's physically going to be working in the White House suddenly makes you not trust her. It's well, stupid. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's. It. I just that's wanted to bring that it. up because it's really yep. dumb. I mean that that's what happens with them, and we never see her again, yep. which and is unfortunate. She, yeah, she's just a one episode guest star. Um, but yeah, it's just funny how, like, they can't just write in, like, oh, yeah, and Charlie has a girlfriend now, or whatever, because they don't want to, like, get her back for more episodes, so they're like, uh, we'll have a breakup, fuck it. (laughs) There's so much of the, like, the Simpsons energy of being like, and then he was rescued by, oh, I don't know, let's say Mo. (laughs) Yeah. The end. Just a lot of, we we gotta get back to status quo by the end of the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what this episode felt like. A lot of just spinning its wheels and, and nothing much happens. Like Bartlett does a few pardons, but nothing extraordinary. Big whoop. Yeah. And, uh, there's a one quote Leo says, Leo tells the president, quote, law and order has become a national concern. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thanks, Nixon. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Let's take a quick break then, and then we'll come back and discuss the second of our two episodes, Slow News Day.
and welcome back. So our second episode, entitled Slow News Day, is otherwise known as the one in which they quote-unquote fix Social Security. Uh, and by that I mean implement like an Obama-style grand bargain, bargain that uh. that that sounds. What I love about this is the actual sausage making of the deal happens in like the last minute of the episode. But like from the keywords I picked up on in that conversation, this thing sounds awful. It sucks. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> but, but they fixed it. Yay! Now no one will ever be able to talk about Social Security ever again. Ugh. So. Where do you want to start on this? Basically, so basically, like the the premise is that Toby wakes up from a fever dream and is like, right. "I fixed it. I've got this idea. We're going to do it because I saw this one senator isn't fundraising, so he's not running for re-election." Right. He gets a epiphany, eureka moment of like, "Oh my god, I, I fucking I wonked it out. I fucking rolled a natural twenty on my wonk dice, and I figured <laughs> out the goddamn perfect solution." To fix this problem that we've, quote unquote, problem that we've had for 40 years, which, of course, is already disingenuous framing where you frame Social Security as like a problem that well, needs was, to be fixed. Yeah, I was definitely wanted to bring that up because that's the fundamental, like the underpinning right. of the entire idea. Yeah, that's the original sin of this whole episode is that Social Security needs to be like urgently fixed by f- fucking with it a-, a whole lot instead of just funding it with taxes well and also <laughs> i mean the the fact that the the appropriations are as written and the taxes just remove money from the money supply we can bypass that because that's way too technical but sure, also sure just if like you're to the real mechanic just like the, yeah. the 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 idea of like this the, the social security bot having all these dials and levers that you can just work like right. frantically and, then, and, and twiddle then, the margins and when they're all- when they're all aligned perfectly, like <laughs> the, the LED goes from blinking red to green, and, and we've done it. We fi- we fixed Social Security. It's all green. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, obviously, most listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with the fact that you can just take the take the hundred. I think it's one hundred and eighteen thousand dollar something around there off the contribution yeah. limit now. And yeah, surprise. And that would effective effectively fund it forever basically (laughs) because like yeah we we might have to tweak it in like 2075 or whatever but like you know by that point maybe we could actually fix some shit so (laughs) if we're still around oh to their credit it is now up to 142,800 dollars all right, so it went up a well, lot, but for a while there, it was like a hundred six thousand. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, or, so there's something that's relatively low considering how high salaries can get. Th- this is something that that crack ping or has the potential to crack ping like real people about this because once people are aware that there's a cap on it, and if you explain to them the like the idea is that Social Security like the fund inflates its way out of the potential to go into debt. Uh huh. Well, salaries are going to inflate, too. (laughs) So, like, isn't it just barely keeping pace if you keep that cap in place? Like, what the the fuck? The cap cap is one of the most regressive things in terms of fiscal policy. It's it's the exact opposite of progressive taxation. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's awful. It's not even a flat tax. It's it's less than a flat tax. It's guaranteed to affect every single working class person and only benefit people who are making above that amount of money. So it's just it's just the worst idea. And yeah, just getting rid of that one thing, boom, bang, boom, fixed. 
instantly yep. fixed. So simple. But taxes will go up, and then people will complain, and then politicians get voted out, and that's the existential fear they all face. Which comes up a lot in this episode. Yes. Because, obviously, you know, uh, it's referenced in this episode that it is the third rail of American politics, so-called, because when you touch the third rail, you die. Well, and the only thing that I found really good in this episode was that there is a line that I think Toby says that says, but the third rail is where all the power is. And yeah, as as far as like electoral strategy goes, that's pretty incisive because and and actually pretty like clever to put. So yes. good job, writers. Yeah, Way like a, a, a sniff of good writing in yeah. there. Con- congrats. This is like the first one we've explicitly called out in probably <laughs> 10 episodes. So batting average, not so hot. Not but so like hot. You, get, you, you know, you ding one out there every once in a while. You know, we're, we're keeping notice. Yep. Uh, so what, what I found interesting is you just raised something that made me think of later in the episode, Josh and Toby get into it about the fact that Toby's trying to fix Social Security and Josh views this as a bad thing and sort of gives away the game when he's like, no, we need to run on us fixing Social Security. If we ever actually fix it, we can't run on that anymore. Oh, yeah. Quintessential. (laughs) And I'm like, like, he doesn't even consider the fact that you can run on the fact that you fixed Social Security. (laughs) (laughs) And like, would be like a... D plus 20 blue wave if the, if that you really actually did that. Well, and so the 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 eventual the the denouement of the whole thing and I'm I'm kind of jumping around like within the episode a lot but this this tracks from your comments is that the eventuality is that the White House like Bartlett's concerned starting to be concerned about his legacy because here it is I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's like the second year of his second administration something like point. that at this point um, yeah. But he, they they say that if this grand bargain goes off, they won't be able to take credit for it, which is the most ghoulish fucking perspective to have. Like, nope, I will not do anything good unless it can be attributed to me. First off, yes, you make a great point on that regard. And second of all, of course it would be attributed to them anyway. Anything that happens under anyone's yeah. presidency automatically gets fucking attributed to them. <laughs> Americans you know? don't know the difference between the House and the Senate. They just yeah, know that Orange Man bad or Joe Biden. Yeah, we know it's Obamacare. That means Obama personally did <laughs> yes. the fucking ACA. You know, that's how that works. George and Bush did 9-11. Yeah, Obama the did bu- the ACA. It's the Bush tax cuts. It's the Bush <laughs> recession. Like, you know, like everything major that happens in politics automatically gets attributed to the president. So this idea that they're not going to get credit is just fucking ridiculous on its face. I and Like, it will absolutely be known as the Bartlett Social Security deal. Yeah, like you could probably rename it to be, like, the, the fucking Bartlett Retirement Security yeah. Plan or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, in, w- internally of the West Wing universe, people will be calling it the Bartlett Social Security deal for all time. Like, <sighs> so it's just so stupid. But, yeah, they it's like, oh, what a great sacrifice we're making by not taking credit for it. And they get to, like, wank each other off about that a little. <laughs> yes, exactly. They get to sit there and be like, oh, oh, oh aren't so we so benevolent. cool? Like. <laughs> I, I actually did all the work, and I'm just going to quietly take my victory cigar in my office and, and not get fawning press about how how fucking great a wonk I was. 
Well, so the rest of the episode is devoted to shitting on Toby for trying to do this behind the administration's <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, despite him, doesn't he, for, he talks to Bartlett at first and specifically says, like, I'm gonna, you know, I, I'll take all the risk and this yes. way you can, co- you can completely disavow, uh, and, and, you know, fire me if you have to. He, he basically implies that he's, he says like, you know, we'll always have Paris implying I won't be here anymore if this really fucks up. Uh, and then when it starts to fuck up, they just like immediately flip out, even though he already explained that mm-hmm. he's intentionally taking on all the risk himself. Which, which I also don't understand because you would never have agreed to it if you considered Toby to be a figurehead of the administration, which he obviously is. He right. obviously is a representative. Right. He's yeah. <laughs> of course he is. He's the goddamn communications director, and he ha- he has been for six years. And so uh, that's fundamentally <laughs> fucked up. Like they wouldn't have agreed to it, but then they yeah. flip they flip but, out that they've agreed. It's it's so weird. It's so stupid. So yeah, it ends up getting screwed up by a, a persistent reporter, basically, who catches on to the fact that he's meeting, you know, behind closed doors, and he's like, "Sunlight is the best disinfectant, Toby." You know, me, implying that he doesn't like that these closed room meetings are happening, that the public deserve to know about it. Toby's response, I find quite odd. He goes, "Yes, for germs, but not for the plague." I'm like, "But the plague is germs." Um. Uh... Yeah, I... I, It was just, it it struck me very odd. It's a bizarre metaphor, and especially for a speechwriter. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's why it's it's kind of funny, coming from Toby, of all people. But yeah, this reporter for the Wall Street Journal or something leaks that these talks are happening, and that Toby possibly mentioned certain buzzwords like increasing the retirement age that are going to scare the shit out of, like, the AARP brigade. Uh, and whatnot, and so like a bunch of Congress people come back with like, ah, bah, 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 what the fuck is Toby doing? And then the, Leo gets really mad at him, even though he had the president's approval. And it's just like they all get mad, but then it's all just sort of a smokescreen because it ends up working out in the eleventh hour anyway. Yeah, well, and I mean, most of the whole rest of it is back and forth between these power players, and then talking about like the. You know, the technocratic facets of, quote, fixing Social Security. Like, Uh he mentions, like, the demographic math about when the, you know, when the program was incepted, it was, like, 20 workers to one retiree. Yeah, Yeah. and that, like, the biggest generation's about to retire and life expectancy's going up and that that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they're, like, talking, and it's just so stupid. There's so much fucking money. You could just do whatever you want. You just declare it solvent. I I don't care. It would be economic stimulus, if anything, if you look at it from a Keynesian perspective of just, like... They what do you what do you retired people do with that money? They pour it right back into the fucking economy. Yeah, because you need to pay. I mean, pay rent, mortgage. They, they I mean, pay, theoretically. Yeah, they buy food. They you know they they spend that money. They travel. Like, yeah, like uh, so again, this idea that all government money just goes into a hole in the ground. Yeah. Well, and I mean, as as many problems as like an MMT perspective on it has, it's just like we just spent the last sixteen months of the pandemic. Just creating money out of thin air and pouring it into the economy. Yeah. Like, you just, it is just now find a way to remove that money 
and balance it out. Like, I, it's, it's really stupid. And of course, all of it is deeply, deeply classist where Toby yes. like bitches about, you know, oh, what about this guy who, you know, needs to, it's just like, Toby, your job is to like talk to people and write pretty words eat shit motherfucker like try <laughs> shoveling coal for a day or and i mean i i worked in a machine shop like for two years and i've lasting damage in my right hand from it like you get fucked up if you are an actual working class person like yeah yeah like you, hell you're gonna raise a, retirement age you've been like a career speechwriter your entire life yeah yeah, and yeah, so that's going back to the snippets of the deal that all get worked out in the eleventh hour. I hear I heard raised retirement age. I heard optional private accounts, which sounds like a fucking nightmare, oh. and a, gi- a giant handout to the finance industry and like the brokerage firms and shit like that. They're gonna fucking love that. I heard something about like. I, uh, I don't know if they said specific reduction of benefits, but regardless, this this deal sucks shit. It's like nothing nothing about it is good. It's all making Social Security worse. And they all pat themselves on the back of like, oh, but we saved it. We fixed it for all time. And well, and I mean, it's also like you have nominally like center centrist Democrat senator talking with crazy fiscal hawk right wing republican yeah. to reach the compromise yeah. so of course it ends up in that like in that realm of the old political compass here like what what did we what did you guys think was going to come out of this so yeah i the, yeah yeah there's the, the one de- democratic congresswoman who comes and bitches at toby is like let's just do it when we have democratic control of the government which just made me laugh really yes. hard <laughs> I, I like, remember a time we did that. I'm like, aren't you adorable? I just want to pat her on her head and be like, okay, why don't you go back to your office now? That's that was so cute. I yeah, and <laughs> that's adorable. I mean, so it's it's interesting. I think like thematically devoting an episode to this issue and digging in on the process of was doing a good idea. Was a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I think the concept is good, and this episode moves and is much more watchable yes. than the last episode. Uh, even if the concept itself maybe have executed in a dumb way, and some of the details were done in a very stupid way, the the central premise of tackling a big fucking political football issue was was a good premise, definitely. Well, and so the, the sort of like the, the drama, the character drama result revolves around Toby is so deeply shamed by this that he tenders his resignation mm-hmm. to Leo, who then, you know, gives it to the president, basically. And in classic fashion, similar to the last episode, they say basically, nope. And Toby's like, OK, and nothing actually happens. Well, I think it's implied by the fact that the deal gets done at the 11th hour that 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 saved his job. And had that not happened, he probably would have actually left. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. You know, so, de- yeah. deus ex machina and for yeah, his essentially. Fucking- and, and uh, like I said, like we said in the when describing the end of the last episode, essentially hits the reset button where, you know, nothing's changed. Toby will still be here. And, you know, sure, Social Security is fixed, but we'll never hear about it or the repercussions of it or anything like that ever again. 
you know, the next time midterms are run or elections are run, we won't hear that like, oh, this Democrat did better because of Social Security, but this Democrat did worse because their district didn't like the changes. Like, we won't hear any of that. Well, and so that it brings us back to our original point here. And I, it makes me wonder, like, is it because the writers are are too are afraid to commit to uh, I want to say like larger like, narrative stuff. I feel like they just don't understand the scope of like what would be remembered by the political audience, the, hmm. the fictional political audience of their universe. Like they need to understand that like replacing a Supreme Court justice would be remembered or like fixing social security would be remembered. And like these would become campaign issues the next time around mm. or something like that. But yeah, so you have I to kind of like track that. Like, and so you yeah. develop, you develop your universe as you go on. So you have to start writing to it instead of just being like, like a bubble of the West Wing. I, I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, it would certainly be better if they did that. I don't fault them a ton for it, but it does lead into this thing where we're like, uh, so nothing happens and there's never repercussions because they tend to just forget about these things once the plot line is wrapped up. You know, the exceptions were stuff like the Sharif arc, which really went for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it's more that they experiment with serialization and stuff like that. But at their core, they're trying to stay episodic still. You know, yeah. we haven't hit that we haven't hit that point yet in television where it really shifts over to more focusing on long arcs and serialization. Yeah, I mean and we get a little snapshot because fucking Rena is back in this episode too. We mentioned it last one. <laughs> the the Rena the arc. Yeah, and basically it's she's she's upset because people in the West Wing don't like her. Yeah. And it feels like very meta. Like, you know, how, like, the audience doesn't like the character. Yeah. Uh, and the, there's this weird moment where Josh has to send Donna to, like, spy on what Toby's doing. And, like, he's like, go go talk to the girl. You know, do girly things. Compare makeup tips in a very, like, again, I thought Sorkin was off this show kind yeah. of writing, mo- <laughs> writing moment. Um, and, so, you know, go, go discuss your fucking double X chromosomes together. And she, so she goes there and, like, has, like, a little mini crisis of morality and goes, like, no, I'm not going to spy. And, like, they just have end up having this awkward conversation about, like, you dress good, Rena. Don't let anyone tell you that you're weird and an off-putting extra. And, yeah, yeah there's, there's no telling or there's no showing of why they don't like her either. She just says it and it comes out of nowhere. It's so weird. And then Toby gives her the big job of like managing these reports on the DL without pouring through pouring through the wonk books yes. to find to find the wonk rules. <laughs> That's right. You go stare at the the technocrat machine for a little while and tell me what levers and buttons you see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh um, yeah, so that's about it for the second one. Um, let's Pretty take much. An, another quick break, and then we can wrap up real quick. Okay. I got money to throw. A penny don't mean a thing to me. I got money to blow. Love I get. It's worth more than I need Now 
Watch it go, watch it go, watch it go away. All that loose change. Watch it go, watch it go away. So that's about it for the actual content of the episodes. I did want to note that while I was doing a little bit of research regarding especially last recordings, so last hour episode, uh, treatment of like Saudi Arabia and the weird, just completely afactual, ahistorical treatment of the politics involved there, I would like to note that John Podoritz scored a credit as a consultant on that episode Oh and <laughs> on this episode, in the benign prerogative, we have J-Pod himself um, <laughs> contributing to the writing of the West Wing. And obviously his name has taken on, you know, another valence with the with Chapo's really public like publicization of his particular yeah. weird neocon leanings. So it's no wonder that the Middle Eastern political perspective was super fucked up because he's now contributing to the writing of the show yeah i I forgot at this point they really relied on a lot more i think outside political contributors now that sorkin was gone as like the the inner leading voice of it so yeah i think we get a lot more of that and lawrence o'donnell and stuff and you know these kind of political consultants writing for the show and and leading to some really shit political takes (laughs) yeah Yeah, um, otherwise, I think that's about it. All right. No, I mean, they do, there's, (laughs) there's a line at the end that's like, um, I think you wrote it here, that if we go back to bread lines, if, like, Social Security (laughs) runs out, it's like, yeah, yeah, Americans will definitely be well-behaved if they cannot (laughs) afford food. (laughs) Yeah, we're totally going to stand in line. (laughs) We're not armed to the teeth and hating our neighbors these days at all. This country is definitely not two hungry meals away from a complete chaos. (laughs) Yeah, or what's it, three missed meals away from revolution or something, that's the quote. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nowhere more so than in America, where if I can't get access to my country value feedback, that's right. Well, if I can't well, have my nuggies, well, then what's the point of living? <laughs> uh, but thank you, uh, as always, for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back the next time to tackle probably another couple of episodes. We're and getting close, though. Yeah, we're getting close to the one that we do want to focus on, the the, the mythical good season five episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, 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 probably, we'll, we'll almost certainly have Emma back. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the reputation holds up to the hype. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while either. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm mostly, all I remember is Glenn Close is in it. Um, but yeah, that does it. You can uh, leave comment on either of our threads on either Something Awful or Bread and Roses. If you found the show another way, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. We, we always love to get listener feedback like we did that one time. Shout out to that listener. Yep. And yeah. uh, And we will see you next time to discuss more episodes of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me.